Welcome to the Sermon Amp Podcast. I'm Joseph Wheat, pastor and host, and today we're going to look back at Psalm 133, that great psalm of the joy of unity. But stick around till segment two of the podcast, and you'll meet one of my favorite Highlanders, Laurie Norton. I think she's got some very important things to say in this interview, and also just an opportunity to know her better and something of the beauty of the body of Christ. But let's go back to Psalm 133. How good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And that includes sisters as well. How good is it? How pleasant is it? Illustration number one, it's as if it's like oil, precious oil poured down on the head flowing down the beard of Aaron, down onto the collar of his robes. This is a picture of the profuse bounty and overflowing joy of unity. It's also a picture of how precious and wonderful it is because Aaron represents the priesthood. This is something of a mediation from God to us, God giving us something, It's symbolic of the sacrifices. It's symbolic of Jesus so that we in Christ together when we have unity have this flowing precious oil kind of blessing. Illustration number two, how good is it? It's as if you took the dew on the tallest mountain in Israel, Mount Hermon, and lifted all of that up and took it down south and just poured it, dumped it on one of the smaller hills in Israel called Mount Zion where Jerusalem is. And Jerusalem is just drenched with refreshment, drenched with joy. Unity is like that. It brings refreshing joy in abundance. You know, this is an important topic today because our society sure is not known for unity. It's known for polarity and anger and bitterness. How important it is for those that have the grace of God and are in Christ to be able to have unity with one another and not just doctrinal unity. As important as that is to hold to, especially today, Hold to the faith once given to the apostles. But it says how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. This is a unity of love. This is a unity of knowing. This is a unity of having purpose together and showing the world the difference that Christ's love really makes when we love one another. We look for the good life. Maybe Psalm 133 would call it the good and pleasant life. In so many places, scratching and clawing, trying to find the good life. And usually that's some derivative of getting something for ourselves or something from somebody to give us something for ourselves. In all of that pursuit of the good life, what if the good and pleasant life was right here all along in the body of Christ, in the love, in the together, 
in the serving together, the weeping together, the rejoicing together, and even the reaching out together. You know, it says right there at the end of Psalm 133, for this is where the Lord commands his blessing, even life evermore. Here's where you find the good life and not where you might find it. But this is where God commands his blessing, sends his blessing, guarantees his blessing. It's in unity, even life evermore. It's as if the psalm ends by saying something like, when we have unity and that joy, it's like a taste of the forever heaven that we are going to experience together and with God. So let's seek for God to work in our hearts, not only to find relationship, but that special place that he is creating within us at the end of this pandemic soon, to find relationship and unity and joy. It's just better when we're together. We're back for segment two of the podcast, and I'm sitting with the one and only Laurie Norton, a longtime friend and valued colleague. Uh, for those of you who aren't sure who Laurie is, uh, she is often seen with children in our church and women because she is the children's ministry coordinator as well as the women's ministry coordinator. She is quite a busy person. Laurie, <laughs> welcome to the Sermon Ant podcast. Well, thank you for including me. You are welcome, and I'd love to know, uh, I know a lot about you, but I think there are things I might learn today that I don't know about you, but <laughs> everybody in the congregation and in the listening audience doesn't know where you're from and a little bit about your family, so why don't you tell us uh, kind of Laurie's childhood and take us on up into adulthood. Okay, well, I um, was born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi, right in the heart, and lived here all of my life, went to First Pres Day School um, to prep to Ole Miss and met my husband there. And um, then we traveled around for a good bit um, after that time. Okay. Uh, is it true that your grandfather, I think it was, was the mayor yes. of Jackson? Yes, he was. Alan C. Thompson. He was mayor for 21 years of Jackson, the city of Jackson, in some not so easy times, but he, he was well respected. And, and of course, I adored him. Well, I've heard that, and I'm sure he had his flaws and everything. This is a time <laughs> when we discover all the flaws of, of politicians, oh, yes. et cetera. Yes, yes. Uh, can you actually remember him being mayor as a child? I do. I remember celebrating writing his birthday um, at City Hall with a spread from Campbell's Bakery of their wonderful pedophores and uh, um, enjoyed many, many times with him in that position, yes. Mm -hmm. Great, great. Mm -hmm. And you were not raised Presbyterian. I, I was. was. Not. I was. I was raised in the Episcopal Church and, um, and had many, many fond memories of, uh, I actually loved the liturgical form of worship. That was very special to me. Although I know it can become ritualistic, it meant a lot to me as a child. And singing in the choir from starting about age four, um, we would sing at the early, the children would sing at the early service at our church. And, um, and many fond memories of growing up there through um, through middle school. Um, my father died when I was in eighth grade, and 
I had, having been at First Pres, I was comfortable going there for their youth group. And so my sister and I uh, went to their youth group all through high school. And that was impactful. Now, who was it's the youth important. minister? The, uh, Ron Musselman yes. was the youth minister at that Ron time. Ron Musselman is a legend around here, well, he at least with quite, some friends yes. that I, I know here in the yes, church. Yes, had quite an impact on us. We had um, youth group open house on Friday nights where you could hang out after a football game. We had Tuesday morning Bible study, prayer breakfast, and Wednesday night and Sunday night, and I was there every time the church was open. Yeah, Lord Ron Veazey told me that, that just that time with Ron Musselman was life-changing. Very, he, it, Ron Musselman evidently was serious. Yes, yeah, very so, much so. Very you know, you so. were talking about the Episcopal Church, and I was raised in Presbyterianism in the, uh, the structure of – uh, traditional Presbyterianism, you know, one of the things about Highlands that is important to us is that all of those elements in the traditional format of high church Presbyterianism, we utilize all of those. We just do it in a monthly uh, rhythm right. rather than a weekly rhythm. We kind of spreadsheet that. We call that the Presby Flex. <laughs> and I really appreciate that because I think it can become rote and it can come, become mechanical and you're not really thinking about what you're doing when you do it all the time. Yeah. So I appreciate the fact that we incorporate those things. Yeah, we, we want our kids to know the Apostles' Creed, yes. the Gloria Patri and the... the yes. uh, uh, the Lord's uh, Prayer, the doxology, all of that. The Lord's Prayer, yes. et cetera. Yeah, Which is so. one of the reasons I included that in the material that I used for the children, for children's ministry, is in our um, in our curriculum. All, at some point, from four year old all the way to fifth grade, you touch on we touch on all of those aspects. Well, and when you don't do all of those elements every week, uh, what you do get is more time for. Prayer, right. preaching, and more time for the sacraments, mm -hmm. which we uh, receive the communion, uh, the Lord's table monthly. Okay, so uh, you head from Jackson Prep up to um, Ole Miss, and this is a, a transformative time in your life. I've heard Laurie's story, so I, I'm telling her about her life. So, uh, and, and you're going to meet a dashing young gentleman there. But yes. tell us about just going up there and and kind of your spiritual metamorphosis during yes. those college years. So I don't remember a time that I did not know Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit. I did not understand. I had a grasp of who the Trinity was and how they were at work in my life. I actually had a Bible teacher that I highly admired and wanted to be like um, for three years while I was at First Press. And what was her name? Velma Howell. And Velma. she ended up mar marrying and was Velma Cavanis and went to the mission field um, my during my middle school years, but but was just amazing um, in in my life, and I wanted to be like her, um, and I always felt like I might go to the mission field at some point. However, my mother remarried <laughs> the summer before my senior year of high school, and she was so focused on being a newlywed that she sort of took her eyes off of her teenage <laughs> daughter for a brief brief time there, and um, I was able to to ex kind of sow my wild oats for about half a year of my senior year, and the Freshman, first part of my freshman year at Ole Miss, um, I had gone to a Christian girls camp, Camp DeSoto, for seven years and was hoping to be a counselor there. And so at Chris, I'd interviewed in the fall, and during Christmas, I got my letter saying I was going to be a counselor. And it was at that moment that I recognized <laughs> that I was living a double life. 
and that you weren't the kind of person if you not. were a mother you would want your daughter with. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was not living the Christian life. Yeah. Uh, can, can I call a timeout? Yes. I'm sure Laurie Norton's wild oats are uh, are milder than well, other people. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it you know, it still was I was not living for the Lord. I, I had not, was not going to church. I was not um I was actually living a very double life. And so the Lord did a mighty work. And that next semester, I um, was just really searching and trying to figure out what I was, how I was not um, living the life that I knew yeah, up to that what point. What that looked like. What that looked like. You know, Lori, my, uh, my own father died maybe a year and a half in my life earlier than the, the death of, of your dad. And just thinking of that period where you're kind of wandering and wondering, mm -hmm. um, grief uh, Absolutely. is really, it's just got shapes that we don't know about. I, I know the five years from my father's death until me coming to Christ for sure, um, I call it a five-year uninterrupted scream of pain. Mm -hmm. So I get mm -hmm. that. Yeah. That, that time after your dad's death, I just wanted you to know I, I can well, understand that. Well, I appreciate that. I, I actually had kind of another layer with that because my dad, committed suicide. And there was a long period of time where I thought it was my fault, which is very typical oh. to kind of take that on. And so there was a lot of wrestling with God as father and why he would allow that to happen and a lot of soul searching on that level um, that made it difficult. Also contributed to my time of wandering uh, because yeah. I sought, um, you know, I sought relationships with boys that were not where I should be. Yeah. And so that seeking solace, seeking solace and mm -hmm. seeking to be loved, yeah. you know, felt abandoned. It went through the whole abandonment um, issue. Can so I just say uh, to those in the, the listening audience today, um, if you're a parent and you're ever having suicidal ideations, you need to remember what Laurie just said. Mm -hmm. She said, just in case you missed it, she wondered if it was her fault. Uh, that 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 happened in her dad's life. I want you to remember that because you don't want to do that to your kids, and you want to stick around on the planet too. And there's hope, and there's you know God. God can work in each life. So I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to say that. No, but and I'll piggyback on that. On um, you know the thing is, is we we so often think that the decisions we make that are just they're my decisions. And only it's my me. choice, and only mm -hmm. affect me. And we don't realize that they affect a multitude of people, not not just our family, um, all the lives that we touch. And so the decisions and the choices we make are very important and um, and have impact far greater than we realize. But anyway, the Lord was gracious to work through that time and to bring me back to himself. And I wound up in a Bible study with RUF, with Jimmy Turner. Um, Jimmy and Ellen are legends yes, too. Yes, You're kind of, God's had, putting you with legends. You know, I really <laughs> had quite the training and, and did not realize it at the time. But we were studying the book of Genesis. James, and I devoured it, literally. I memorized the book of James during the, that semester, trying to understand, and what a wonderful place to learn what it looks like to be a believer. Okay, do you still know the entire book of James by I, heart? I can do up through chapter three. <laughs> I have to, sometimes have to get a running start. But yeah. <laughs> so, so far, we've talked about count it all joy, my brothers, when yes. you encounter trials of various trials. Tri that's kinds. Right. That's right. That's right. So uh, um, I did that just to make you think that I've memorized some of the book of James. <laughs> that's probably about all I know. <laughs>
maybe a few other ones. Well, it's 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 amazing how often I refer to that. Be be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to speak, and yeah. slow to anger is probably one of those things that just goes through my mind so often because I'm a big talker. And so learning to listen has been um, something I've had to do all my life. So anyway, I, I was involved with the RUF, um, went to DeSoto that summer as a counselor, and just grew so much because of that hunger and that thirst. That's that gear shift moment. For it really you. was. And, and it's never, it, I, I will say that it's waxed and waned, but it has never stopped of just that thirst. For more. It's like the more I get to know God, the more I want to yeah. know him. And I want to be like him. I want to be a Christ one. And so so uh, I think you met somebody I important. Did. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was going to yeah. say that that <laughs> led to being a part of RUF actually led to me meeting um, meeting John Norton. We were in a Bible study together one whole semester and would, would um, kind of flirt with each other, but he never <laughs> took up a hint or he was very slow to yeah. take up any hints. And so we were actually on a retreat um, one weekend, and he came up. I was talking to Susan Aldridge. Susan Russell was the intern there. And I was talking to her, and um, I just said real loudly, well, call me anytime because I never have anything to do on Friday or Saturday. And John <laughs> called me the next Tuesday and asked me out on a date. So. <laughs> now, y'all, uh, knowing Laurie is such a joy, and I've known them for low these 30-something years and just love John and Laurie Norton and their kids. We'll get to uh, uh, the generations, yes. but um, John Norton also is just a ministry machine. He 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 just welcomes people. We call him the secret weapon here at Highlands. <laughs> Go over there and meet those people, yes. John. And uh, I thought I was outgoing until uh, John and I went to, on a trip to Africa together about three or four or something years ago. I am shy compared to John Norton. All I remember is him, him telling me that you asked him to just not talk to anybody for one <laughs> one little portion of the time. The right you, I think you were afraid that he might start out, start some sort of uh, uh, warfare. Yeah, that's a, story, that's a story for later. There was a really mad person in John's, hey, buddy, hey, buddy. And I'm like, don't talk to him, John. Um, so uh, anyway, you know, we were on staff. Uh, uh, well, first of all, we went to seminary together, John right. and I did. So that's where we met. And then John and Laurie took a little internship to Augusta, Georgia. Right. And we were there for um, for a year and a half. We extended it so he could kind of put into practice some of the things that he was learning. And we worked with the singles ministry. We were handed 150 singles, <laughs> which was just unbelievable, but <laughs> quite an experience. So when our time ended there, they were um, looking for someone to fill that spot. And John submitted your name. Well, I know. And those singles loved John. John and Laurie Norton. And the reason why is John recruited me and I was kind of in a haughty period of my life, I guess. I wanted to be a church planner. I didn't want to go be an assistant pastor. But uh, at the last minute, all my hopes and dreams were dashed to go plant a church. They they reversed all their approvals because I wasn't married. And I said, wait a minute, I haven't been married the whole year we've been talking. But that was just God's providence. And John Norton called me the next day when I was in my sackcloth and ashes and said, Joseph, uh, this is my last call. I know you said you don't want to come do this, but I, and they're about to offer the job to somebody else. But I, I told them, will you just give me one more phone call? And y'all, I was changed. And I said, when do you want me to come? And he said, when, when can you come? I said, how about tomorrow? And uh, so the next day I went up there and that was the very day that I met Gina. 
So how important are the Nordens in my life, you know, because she was a part of their ministry. She had been a vital part of our ministry. And loved them. Yes. And, um, and so that's kind of where a, a very important intersect. But the Nordens go on to, to be in a church in Florida, and then they go back to Augusta. I'll right? say Trey was born that first round in Augusta, and we um, we went to finished up our years at seminary, then went to Florida, and then got called back to Augusta. Yeah, and we overlapped about maybe eight months or so I on staff so. with yeah. y'all, and I loved that. That was a sweet, sweet time. And we were there six and a half years, and during that time, we were blessed with three additional children who are, are just <laughs> So you have joy. four, and so what, are, four. what are their names from, so from oldest to youngest? Trey is 32, married to Amelia, and we have three grandchildren, Jenny Pearl, Charlotte Ann, and Jack. We're and about to baptize Yes, that's uh, going to be Jack. exciting. And then we have Shelby, is, um, Shelby and Natalie are twins, and Shelby married Matt Clark, and they live in Brandon. She teaches at Pearl High School. And then Natalie Norton is an OT with UMMC, and Oliver is in Montana. Oliver is 25. So we have 25, two 26-year-olds, and a 32-year-old at this time. Love your kids, so, too. Yes. Uh, the, the Nordens are fun to be around. Um, so some other churches, y'all just done great ministry wherever you've been. And then I was uh, minding my own business when John Norton called me one day in Colorado and said, hey, you need to consider becoming the pastor of this church in Mississippi where Laurie and I are. And I wasn't just the same way. I kind of wasn't interested in that at first. And uh, John claimed so much of the responsibility <laughs> for the blessings in my life, by the way. Um, it probably has a right to do so. But anyway, um, in 2005, uh, the Wheats moved from Colorado uh, here to Highlands. And what a joy, Laurie, for you to be on staff oh, here. So such. we were, we'd been on staff together 30 something years ago. We were mm -hmm. kind of reunited. And then the rest of the staff was just fabulous. It was a great, a neat time in the life of the church. I think we, we were able to put some feet to a lot of things that had been floating around out there. And you, <laughs> you brought a, a tremendous vision for us to be able to follow and um, set us on, the, on a straight path. And it's so. been fun, Laurie. Mm -hmm. And um, I love Love, love being able to work with you. Um, tell us just a few things that you love about Highlands, because I know you love this church. I love the gracious attitude and atmosphere that is portrayed. That was that attracted us from the very beginning when we came here. We were we were not in the best place, and and so it was a real loving, embracing congregation that that ministered to us. Um, I. I think just the giving, that the, the generosity of people yeah. um, here has been so great. So it would have to be the people, you know, the, the willingness yeah. to serve and to work and to, to do. Well, that's why we moved here. We didn't really have, other than though I went to seminary here, we didn't really have, um, you know, we, our, our main, most of our family was further east in the southeast. But it was just these people. I agree with mm -hmm. with you. Part of my my job at Highlands uh, finding such a gracious group of people that loved and were open was not to mess it up for the last <laughs> sixteen years. So I've been really working hard on not messing it up. Um, but uh, one of the reasons we've been here for sixteen years and just want to continue is we love these people. I love the willingness to work things out, and there's just a there's a, a real, that, that unity of the spirit in the bond yes. of peace. Yes, for sure. Tell us a few things you love about what you do. Well, I work with the children's ministry and the women, and I um, 
I used to, before we moved here, I had worked with women. I'd never worked with children. And when the opportunity came up to start the Mother's Morning Out program, I jumped on that opportunity and, and really enjoyed that. It reached a point where it was too much for me and, and was so gracious grateful that Julie Crosland took that on and has taken it to a whole nother level um, than I imagined. But I'm going to try to interview Julie one day on oh, this yes, podcast. Yes, that would be, that would be great. But, <laughs> we um, all knew each other 30 years ago yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but the children's ministry was, I started in 2016. Uh, no. Two, oh, oh, Two, oh, four, oh. or Five. 2003 Three. I started and 2004 was yes so 2004 was yeah. children's ministry um, and then I added the women six years ago and um, it has been a really unique blend because in working with the children all those years I was already developing relationships with the women so just the people again the people that I get to work with well I walked upstairs during mom to mom and Laurie's the master teacher up there with the whole group then they break up into uh, small groups Gina is a mentor mom and loves that but um, just your presence the content and I was just floored at just your ability to teach in that environment I walked downstairs to Brad Mercer's office and said Laurie Norton oh, can teach well well and I think being able to use my gifts um, I, I love that part of my job but what I love more is being able to help other people find their gifts and use those. So I feel like I'm on a treasure hunt of being able to discover what people have to offer and then helping them and enabling them to use those in the church body. Yeah, and you're, you're actually a good recruiter and a good leader of leaders. Well, I hate to bring this to a conclusion, but uh, Lori, uh, our staff is very open. Uh, if you'd like to talk to Lori or, or you can find her email uh, on the website, uh, we would love to connect with you for uh, whatever reason, particularly um, children's ministry and women's ministry. You are so valued. Oh, uh, our you. staff is just a group of friends. Yes, We've kind yes. of dared to do that, and mm -hmm. there's trust and a lot of laughter, a lot of enjoyment, um, but we certainly enjoy you, oh, well, Laurie, you. and I we love it. the Nordens. And thank you for being on the Sermon Ant Podcast. Well, I was glad to do it. Thank you, Joseph. Welcome to segment three, Joseph's pocket full of vision. So I am pulling out of my pocket to give to you a mission this week to see people as they really are, the way God sees them in terms of being in the image and likeness of God. That means that they have been assigned a kind of dignity and even glory by God himself. Now, it is also true that they are sinners and they have all kinds of faults and blemishes, which is exactly what we so often look for, for whatever reasons we might do that. But that does not connect us with people. And so your mission is to really look for those glimmers, those dimensions of the glory of God in each person that you might connect and encourage them in God's name. <music>